Today we're wrapping up the series, uh, Multiply, and uh, wanted to share that song with you today because it would be so easy to uh, experience these three messages and think somehow it's just about our finances. Um, but, but that's only one element. That's, that's, it's about our relationship with the living God and His ability to multiply our lives. To, to get our heads and to get our hearts in, in the right place, especially when it comes to the arena of our finances, so that, so that our whole lives can be multiplied, so our families can be multiplied, so our marriages can be multiplied, all the relationships can be multiplied, that God can do more across the board in our lives uh, than just that small segment of what it means to deal with our finances. And then having said that, the truth for us is that we can't ignore that segment. That, that if we want God to multiply our lives, to make us into the men and the women that he wants us to be, if we want him to really take hold of us and multiply our lives, like that song was asking, then we have to deal with the whole spectrum of what it means to surrender ourselves absolutely and completely to Christ. And, and that means taking the time to look at, are we doing that in every area, including that arena of our finances? And so as we wrap up the series today, we're, we're going to give you one more taste and show you one more time the, the absolute importance that, that you just take this serious in your walk with Christ. Uh, and it's, it's just not me telling you that as your pastor. Uh, but I think I can show it to you in the Word that, that the Word itself, God's Word itself, is really serious about this part of our life and the effect it has across the board in, in, in our relationships and all the things we're talking about in life. If, if you just go to a concordance, so you do the Google thing or however you do it, right, and, and you just start plugging in these words in the Bible, right, and so you plug in the words believe, believer, believing, you'll find that word, depending on what translation you use, of course, you'll find that word showing up about 272 times. If you plug in the word uh, prayer or praying, uh, you'll find that word about 371 times. If you plug in the word love or loving, words that we really like, right, you find those 714 times. But look how many times the word occurs when you put in the word give, giver, or giving. 2,162 times. Do you think that somehow this arena that we've been talking about in these three messages is absolutely vital to our walk with Christ? And I can tell you, just my own life, my own personal testimony, if, if you've been, you know, kind of enduring these messages, uh, I just encourage you to take a deep breath, you know, when this last one is over, sometime next week, just sit down, listen to them again with an open mind and an open heart, because in my own life, one of the biggest gifts that, that God gave uh, to me and to Jill and I in our marriage and to my family, just across the board, understanding this and the blessings that came from it is when, when we first got married and I was in seminary, I got this. God just made this so obvious to me. And, and Jill and I have practiced the tithing and beyond in our life uh, from the beginning of our marriage. And, and I'm telling you, it makes all the difference. I, I mean, I, it just does. 
right? And, and I believe in my kids' lives. Some of you know my kids. They're doing pretty good. Pretty good kids, right? And, uh, you know, proud of them. I'm supposed to do that stuff, right? But you know what? My kids, my kids have been tithing since they first got their allowance. And they're still doing it. They've been tithing since they first got their allowance. Moms and dads, if nothing else, plant this truth in your kids' life. If you want their lives to multiply, if you want them to have that incredible opportunity that God wants for them, plant this in their lives, will you? Just take it serious. Because what we talk about cuts across the whole experience of God's ability to just manifest His presence and multiply what He wants to do in our life. It starts out for us with just a simple understanding that a lot of you are going to go, uh, oh, duh, right, kind of stuff, right? It's just a duh moment. And, and it's just that simple starting point where we understand uh, that God is able to do exactly what he promises, that God is able to multiply in our lives, that he has more than enough to go ahead and multiply in our lives. So you take Psalm 24, and it says, The earth is the Lord's and... What's the word? Everything. That means absolutely everything in it. This is such a fundamental truth that we can kind of get with our head, but we've got to make sure we get with our heart. Because if you get that, if you understand, it changes everything we're talking about. Because the reality is none of it then is ours. It's not ours. That it all belongs to him. And because he is a multiplication God, he wants to multiply that into our lives. And so everything we have is already his, and he multiplies it into our lives. And we're just simply returning it back to him. If you go to Deuteronomy uh, 8, you get the reminder of that. In the experience of God's people, after they were brought out of Egypt, right? So you do some history here. Remember, God rescues them from slavery in Egypt. He brings them out. They get to the bottom of the, the promised land, and they make a mistake. They decide, oh, the other, they're too big. It's just impossible for us to do it, right? And they fail the first, first faith test. And after that, they wander for 40 years in the wilderness before they get the chance to go in and take over the land, Right? But do you remember what happens every single day as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years? Every single day, God provided them with what they needed. It was called manna. I mean, there's no pick and save along the way. There was no, you know, 7-Eleven somewhere around the corner. Every single day. They had to rely on God's provision and multiplication in their life. Deuteronomy says, He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. Every single day for 40 years and twice in preparation for the Sabbath, He double multiplied everything they needed. Every single day, every single week, every single year, God provided, 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 provided. Does this prove to us that God is absolutely capable of providing and multiplying in our lives? It should. It should. He says, he did all this so that you would never say to yourself, 
I achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. It's all his. It's all multiplication. It's all his working, his providing. It's all about what he does and can do and wants to do uh, in our lives if we give him the opportunity. And he proved it. For 40 years, every single day, he provided. It is the same God who wants to provide and multiply in our lives every single day. If you look at the First Chronicles, you get the experience of David, as he, King David, as he takes up a collection for the temple uh, that Solomon would um, uh, ultimately build, right? So David takes up this collection for Solomon. He's got all the people bringing their offerings, uh, and he says this, Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name, but who am I and who are my people? that we could give you give anything to you everything we have has come from you and we give you only what you first gave us we are here for only a moment visitors and strangers in the land of our ancestors as our ancestors were before us our days on earth like a passing shadow gone so soon without a trace what's his point now, what you need to know, as David is making this statement, he personally, out of his own personal treasury, put in 112 tons. Did you hear that word? 112 tons of gold. That was his offering for the building of the temple. 112 tons. And it'd be a wild idea what that's worth today. Some guys did the math at the first service, and they said it was about uh, 2.6 trillion dollars. Somebody want to write a check on that one? Awesome, isn't it? You think David got the concept though about God's ability to to multiply in our lives? That it was all His, and He freely and joyously gave it back. He just freely and joyously gave it back. He says, "O oh Lord our God, even this material we have gathered." To build a temple, to honor your holy name, comes from you. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives, and I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. You see, what we get is the understanding that he is not only capable to provide us with everything we need, he not only desires to multiply in our lives everything that we need, but when we give back to him what's already his, we get the fun. We get the fun. We get the joy of it. It is incredible. I'll tell you what, you ask any of our team who has gone over to Ethiopia for our mission trip, which we're going to pray over today. Our people are going to end of this week again. You ask them if it was an awesome experience and a joyful opportunity, and they will tell you they'll do it like that again because of what God was multiplying in their life, and it wasn't financial. It was the joy of it. It goes like this. It didn't happen very often in my life, but once in a while my mom or my dad would, uh, would pop for an ice cream cone, right? I mean, this didn't happen very often, all right? So it was a big deal when it did, right? So they dig in their pocket and they give me enough cash to go buy an ice cream cone, 
right? And, and as they're giving me the cash, my hand is out, and they're, and they're getting ready to give me the cash, and I'm already overjoyed because I know what's going to happen. I'm going to get the benefit of the ice cream cone from their labor and their work. They're just going to give it to me. I'm going to get the joy of it. But what happens? As they're giving me the coin... As I'm receiving the coin that's already theirs, and I'm only going to get the joy from it, what is it they are waiting to hear roll out of my mouth? Come on, you know the word. Thank you. <laughs> right? Isn't that it? Do you think that coin is going to slip out of their hand until I say those words? Not in my house, people. Not my dad. <laughs> No way. That was a big deal for him to be able to pop for that. It wasn't happening, right? But it's the same principle, right? I mean, for us, everything is his. He pours it and multiplies it into our lives, and we get the absolute joy of the experience, and all we get to do is say, God, you are awesome. Like David, thank you for how good you are. Thank you for who you are and what you're willing to multiply in our lives. Thank you that we can have the joy of watching what our giving can do in the lives of other people. It is incredible. It is all good for us. It is all God multiplying that opportunity in our lives. And David didn't even blink at giving 112 tons of gold. What's the deal? Well, there's also a basic truth. Not only does God own everything already, it's all his already. But if we try to hold on to it, if, if we somehow try to claim it as our own and hold on to it, the only result is it rots. Let me ask you this. How many of you still have your original laptop computer? How many of you are still using your original laptop computer? Right? No, you're not. Right. Because right now, you wouldn't call it a laptop anymore. You would call it a boat anchor. Right? And you probably have it downstairs in the basement stacked up with all the other printers that you can't get ink for anymore. Is that right? I'm on target there. Don't, don't be. I know it. Right? Right. What's, what's the principle? It, it doesn't last. It, it doesn't last. The stuff that we try to hold on to, it, it just doesn't last. That's why we have professions called archaeologists. They're finding all the old stuff that got buried in the ground because none of it lasts. Jesus knew this. He said, do not gather and heap up and store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and worm consume and destroy and where thieves break through and steal. It won't last. What lasts is what we give God to multiply. What lasts is what we give God to multiply. There was a fellow back uh, in, the, in the early months of 1929 who uh, gave $100,000 to a church to build a school in uh, Africa, right? He, gave, he gives the gift. And now $100,000 back then, that, that's a pretty good chunk of dough, right? He gives $100,000 to build a school in Africa. Now remember, I said it was in 1929. Anybody remember what happened in 1929? Yes, it was called Black Tuesday. It was the beginning of the Great Depression. After he gave that gift away, shortly after that, the Great uh, Black Tuesday hit, the Great Depression started, the guy lost absolutely everything. 
lost absolutely everything. Some 60 years later, the folks uh, from that church decided they would try to find this guy. You know, time went on and he wandered away. They decided they'd try to find this guy, and they found him on the south side of Chicago. And they, they invited him and said, listen, we will fly you over to Africa because we took your $100,000 and we built a school, a university over in Africa. And so finally the guy relented and he flew over to Africa and they had all the students there. They had all the alumni there they could find. They had this huge gathering of people there and the guy stood up there and he had meager means right now, financially. But he looked out in tears in his eyes. What did he realize? The only thing that lasted was what he gave. The only thing that multiplied was what he gave. And all those students and all those alumni were out there and were going to be in the kingdom of God forever because he was willing to give away what he couldn't hold on to. You, you see the principle? You see, if we try to hold on to it, it will rust and rot. If we give it away, it gives God the opportunity to multiply. And Jesus affirms that in Luke Six, And this is a great passage for us. And it starts getting us into the, the sowing and reaping principle itself in Scripture, right? And if you just take the first phrase at verse 38 there, it says, Give and you will receive. Okay, just look at that for a minute. Give and you will receive. Now, you notice that comma after the give? The reason that comma is there is because in the original language, that word there is a command. It's not an invitation, it's not a request, it's not, you know, if you kind of want it, it's a command. He is saying, give, right? It, it's a command word, right? And it's, it's not only in the imperative tense, uh, but it's also uh, in the present tense, which means it is a continuous command. So he starts out by saying, look, do this, do this, right? This is Jesus, by the way, do this, give. And then he gives the response of what will happen if you follow the command. Give, and you will receive. Notice the word will there. Is this a possibility? Is this a maybe? Is this a could be? Is this a might be? No, this is a will. Give, follow the command, and you will receive. How are you going to receive? Here's what he says. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. Now, what he's describing there is the principle of, of uh, the harvest. So what would happen is if you were a farmer in the Old Testament days and it was time to have harvest, uh, harvest your, your crop, you would go hire day laborers. You'd bring the day laborers onto the field and you'd say, now, okay, fill the baskets with the grain. And then take the baskets over to the threshing floor way over there. Okay? So the laborers would have to put all the grain in the baskets, throw it on their back, and then carry it and haul it all the way over to the threshing floor. Now put yourself in the position of the day laborer. As you are filling up that basket, how much grain would you put in that basket? Half a basket? Remember, you gotta haul that puppy. Okay? You, you got to walk. It's got to go on your back, and you got to haul it all the way over there. 
So you got to do it over and over and over and over again, right? So what would the day laborer do? Well, they'd fill it up half full. Early in the day, three-quarter full. Later in the day, less than that. And they'd haul it over the threshing floor. Then when the day came to a close, the owner of the field would come to you and he would say, now listen, we're done, but there's enough grain out there for you. So this last basket, this is your basket. You take home whatever you can fit in the basket. It's, it's kind of like the Menards bag you get in the mail, right? You know, anything you get in the bag, get 23% off, right? Same, same principle, right? So the owner's saying, listen, what, whatever you fit in the basket, that's yours. You tell me, how full would you fill the basket? You'd put that in there, you'd shake it down, you'd stomp it in there, and you'd heap that baby as high as you could, and you'd throw it on your back so you wouldn't even care if it spilled over a little bit, would you? You see, that's the image of multiplication that Jesus is giving us in this passage. He's saying, listen, give, command, continuous, give, and you, you're going to receive. And what's God's attitude toward what he wants to give you? Well, it's the last basket. He, he wants to press it down, stomp it down. He wants to fit as much as he can fit into your life. So much so that what he wants to pour into your life will spill out, flow over, and go into other people's lives. He will make sure your basket is so absolutely, completely full, pressed down, that it is overflowing and it will have an impact beyond your own existence. That's the image. That God is a multiplication God. And then he ends it by saying, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. It is the principle of sowing and reaping. He says, don't be fooled. Galatians 6, Paul says, don't be fooled. You can't outsmart God. A man gathers a crop from what he plants. Some people plant to please their sinful nature. From that nature, they're going to receive a harvest of death. Others plant to please the Holy Spirit. From the Spirit, they will receive a harvest of eternal life. See, now the sowing and reaping principle applies more than just to our finances, right? You know this is true, husbands and wives especially. So what, tell, tell me, husbands, what happens if you get up in the morning and the first words out of your uh, mouth in the morning to your lovely wife are hurtful and angry. What kind of day are you going to have? Not going to be a good day in my house, right? What happens if the first words out of your, mar your mouth in the morning are praiseworthy and complimentary? You're going to have a whole lot better day, aren't you? You see the principle? It's sowing and reaping. And that principle also applies into how we manage the resources that are already God's, but he pours into our life, and he wants to multiply in our life so that they can spill out into other people's lives. That's the way it works. He says, everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property, notice property is on the list, or property, for my sake, will receive what? You can say it. A hundred times. That's not a bad investment, is it? Anybody here just happy with 10% a year on your investments? And he says, look, a hundred times as much in return. 
and will inherit eternal life on top of it. You see the principle? It's all about the attitude of our heart being able to apply the principle of sowing and reaping. you got to give it away. It starts with trusting God so much that you just give it away to give Him the opportunity to multiply. Paul says, look, remember this. Don't forget this. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds, he's only going to get what? A small crop. But the one who plants generously, he's going to get what? Generous crop. It's a principle. It's a principle. It's a principle. It's a principle. And you just got to get this. You got to embed this in your life. You just got to take God at his word and just take the step, do what he says, and just do it. Just do it. You see, the bottom line for us is that when we give, this whole giving thing, giving is never a question of your wallet. It has nothing to do with your wallet. It is all about your heart. Giving is always about your heart. You see, if your heart believes the truth, then you will give it. See, it's simple, right? If you get somebody's heart, what comes with it? The wallet. That's the way it works. If you get somebody's heart, the wallet comes with it, right? I mean, my wallet sits on the counter in, in our kitchen, and occasionally, you know, Jill will get up before I do in the morning and head off to school, and I'll roll them out of the bedroom and go off into the kitchen, and I'll find my wallet open. Anybody else have that experience? Right? I don't get all upset about it. No, of course not. Why? Because I love the heck out of her. Whatever she wants. Whatever she needs. You see, the heart. It's about a heart thing. Jesus affirms it. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. God loves a person who gives freely. Listen, I'm not trying to pressure you into this. I'm just telling you the truth. And let that truth motivate your heart to just take the step, take God at His word, take Jesus at His word, and just do it. Just take the step, do it. I, you will not regret it. I have never, one day have I ever regretted taking the step to be a tither and beyond. Never. In fact, I look at it and say how blessed I am that that truth got into my heart. How blessed I am. It's just the promise he has. He will provide and give you enough. It says God and God will generously provide all you need. He's going to do that. Then you will always have everything you need and the basket spilling over, plenty left over to share with others. It's just the way his multiplication works. It's just the way it works. And we just have to trust him. If you listen to Paul as he talked about the uh, uh, people in, um, in uh, Macedonia, he, he makes that clear to us. And, and we can see that not just in Macedonia, but it's happening in, in lives of people around this church. This is a text that I got from one of our folks uh, this last week, because we've been in the series. This is just a text one of our folks uh, sent to me this week. I think it's awesome. The text says, We are in a period of blessing. I knew God had a plan. This tithing is truly the greatest faith builder I have. Notice what he associated tithing with. Did you see it? Heart. This is the great, greatest faith builder I, I, I've had. I heard your recent sermon. I get blessed and new appointments come in. He runs a business. So new appointments come in. I keep building the business and my friends, friends say, you're crazy. I feel so driven to build God's kingdom. 
I'm so grateful for your help in making me grow in this area. Don't ignore his last statement. Making me. Do you see that? Listen, I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Some of you may be hearing these messages and say, Wow, Christ Church must really be in trouble. <laughs> you know? No. Absolutely not. God is so good. We are in such a great place. But he's got so much more for us to do. I mean, I can tell you as your pastor, God is preparing this church for some incredible opportunities. I mean, we can see it right out in front of us. But if we're going to achieve it, it's because we take this series, this message series absolutely to heart. It won't happen otherwise. Because we've all got to get in that place where we capture this understanding and we step up and say, yes, yes, God can do this. And, and if we do that, it's about the impact we're going to have. It's not about the dollar amount we'll raise. It's about the impact we're going to have together. Paul said that about the Macedonians there. Uh, now, I'm going to skip ahead. As he talked about their giving, he said, they even did more than we had hoped for, for they fir their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. What's the first thing they did? They gave themselves to Christ. Remember when we started the series? We said the first point was simply to love God and act like you do. Remember that? That's what he's saying. Just love God. Trust Him. He's a multiplication God. And just act like you do. And don't forget the last part of that. It says, first action was giving himself to the Lord and to us. They were giving themselves to the bride of Christ, the church. And they were believing what God could do through the church. I hope you believe the vision of Christ church and what God's going to do here. It's right out in front of us. It's going to be an incredible ride. And God is prepared to make it happen. But we have to give ourselves.